Today we are continuing in our series called Vision 2020. Uh, our theme scripture, as Pastor Todd shared, as Habakkuk 2, 2 and 3 says, The Lord answered me, write down this vision, clearly inscribe it on tablets, so many, so one may easily read it, for the vision is yet for the appointed time. Let's pray over our time in the Word. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful worship and all that you're doing in us today in Family Life Church, Lord God. We just ask that you would speak to us, Holy Spirit, that you would just awaken all of us to the truth of your word. Help me to clearly present your word that you may be glorified. And, and even more importantly, give us the grace to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In week one, Pastor Todd talked about the power of 2020 vision. And then last week, he talked about conquering your God-given vision. Today, we're going to talk about enlarging your God-given vision. How can we enlarge? And we noticed last week and this week, we're talking about your God-given vision. This goes back to your purpose and your destiny. Our vision here at Family Life, which is God's vision, of found in Ephesians chapter 1, is to know God, live free, find your purpose, and make a difference. So when we talk about your God-given vision, we're talking about your purpose. What is the vision that God's given you, the purpose and the divine destiny for your life? And it's, it's for this year. It's for this month. It's for today. It might be spiritual relation. It might be financial. Your vision that to, to, to help catapult you into your God-given destiny may be to get out of debt. Amen? Maybe to start saving money. You know, it doesn't, it, that doesn't sound super spiritual, but you know what? That's all a part of God's plan. Amen. I love the scripture that says that he, he prayed, Paul prayed that we'd be in good health and prosper, even as our soul prospers. You know, I believe good health, prosper, I know partly has to do with financially and then that our soul prospers. So having vision is for our whole life. And it, it, when we say vision, I'm talking about your purpose, your God-given purpose and your destiny in life. So we're going to talk about enlarging your God-given vision. We're going to look at and learn from the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and what they did to enlarge their God-given vision. Now, as I begin to study for this message, I was reminded two years ago for my art nation right up here on this stage. David Muir was up here as well. He's one of our board members. We had the board members and we had one of the presbyter here, Brother Jim Darnell. And as he was praying over me and praying over our transition, he prayed and prophesied, and he said, Brother Francis is Abraham. He said, Pastor Todd is Isaac, and that I am Jacob, the third generation of leadership here in the church. Amen. So I believe that this word is both timely for me and for the church. Amen. So this morning, I want to give you three ways to help you to enlarge your God-given vision. Number one, get God's perspective of the vision. Get God's perspective of the vision. So let's right away dive into to Abraham. Now at the time, most of these scriptures I'm reading, God had not changed his name yet. He was Abram. We're looking at every time we've seen this Abram, we're going to talk about that. But we know later God changes his name. If you don't know, later on God changes his name to Abraham. So I'm going to read the scriptures, but every time I refer to him, I will refer to him as Abraham because he's now in heaven going by Abraham. Amen? So Genesis 12, 1 and 3 says, The Lord God said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So God gave Abraham, Abraham a vision of blessing him with many descendants that would turn into a great nation 
Also, he said Abraham would be a blessing to many. How many of y'all know God wants to bless us so we can be a blessing, right? So by faith, all the families of the earth would participate in the covenant God was making with Abraham. The blessing spread. It started right here with Abram, and it spread through the whole world, through Abraham, Israel, the covenants, all the different covenants we see in the Old Testament, then the prophets, all through the scripture, all the way up to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Galatians 3, 8, 9. It says, what's more, the scripture looked forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. Righteous means in right standing with God because through because of our faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Wow. What a promise and a vision Abraham got for his life, right? That's the, the, the promise. Abraham from then on out had a vision of what God was going to do for not only him, and it wasn't going to stop with him, but generations to come. And today, most of us in here are receiving this blessing because of, of the vision that God gave Abraham. The Messiah would come through Abraham's offspring and bring hope and salvation to all who had faith just as Abraham did. So by faith, Abraham received his God-given vision and left the land he was living in as the Lord instructed him. But as time went on, Abraham's vision got a little blurred and he started looking around at his natural circumstances, and understandably so. So let's, let's pick up the story now, Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram. I will protect you, and, I, and your reward will be great. That reward was speaking of the promise that was spoken in, in chapter 12. But Abraham, or Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it him as righteous because of his faith. Amen? God had to redirect Abram's vision again. One translation, he says, well, look, Lord, I don't even have any offspring. And the Lord says, look up. He was looking at his natural situation. And again, understandably so, he was an old man with no kids and whatnot, but the Lord said, look up, and it's a great symbolic, look up to heaven. And the Lord gave him, he, he, he reminded him of the vision. He had to get his eyes off of his natural circumstance and give him the Lord's perspective. I love that because the Lord created all the heavens and all the stars. And he said, Abram, look up. Count these stars if you can. How many of y'all know he couldn't, right? He said, this is how many descendants you're going to have. The Lord affirmed, well, God's promise to his offspring was still unfulfilled and Abram couldn't look past his natural circumstances. But the Lord affirmed that the promise was for Abraham's own offspring and showed him the stars as a promise of the vast numbers of descendants he would have. Once Abraham got God's perspective, I love this, it reunited his faith. He was wavering. He was wavering from the vision because he was looking at the natural. But when God said, look up, it says that he believed God and God counted his faith as righteousness. Listen, listen. 
Have you been looking only at your natural circumstances instead of the promises God has given you? I want you to enlarge your vision. Stop looking at just what's in the natural. We walk by faith, not by sight. Right, church? We walk by faith. And that's what, that's what Abraham had to do. And he started off good like a lot of you in here, a lot of us. God gives us a promise, gives us a vision, and we take off with it. But when that vision doesn't come to pass, we start looking around and like, man, not only is this not coming to pass, it seems like it's going in the other direction. You ever been there? We need to re- get back to God's vision, get God's perspective on the deal. Even Jesus in Matthew 16 told Peter, Matthew 16, 23, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. This was in the context where after Jesus told Peter and his disciples he was going to the cross and have to die, and Peter tried to correct him, and he said, no, get thee behind me, Satan. And he, he said, you're seeing things only from a human point of view, not from God's point of view. We'll never carry out a God-given vision with a human point of view. Amen? we got to have God's perspective and able to enlarge our vision. Listen, y'all, the Lord is constantly trying to help us see things through his perspective. He's trying to plant new seeds in your heart this new year. We're starting off a brand new year. We're not even through the month. You know, he's trying to plant new thoughts, new seeds in your heart. The key, like Abraham, is to believe and let the seeds take root so they can grow. Amen? You know, I was talking to a young man just this week. I'm not going to say his name, but he gave me permission to share this. And I remember last year, um, uh, he's actually in, in, in my men's group, and I, have a, I meet with a group of men, and, and, uh, and I remember him telling me, and it's a, it's a leadership group, and I remember him telling me that he felt like his ministry was, was only for his family. Now, I, I agree, men and women, husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, our primary ministry is first to our home. Amen? It's our, 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 our spouses and our children. But he said, man, I can't even comprehend. I can't see how, after working all day, focusing on my wife and my children, how I can do any other kind of ministry. But then he told me just the other day, uh, or it was actually last month, he came up to me after service back there and he said, man, the Lord's really been dealing with me and he's telling me that I need to go work with a specific ministry here in the church. And so as I was talking about it, we were talking again Wednesday night. What happened? I believe God enlarged his vision. He couldn't see past his natural circumstances. But as he began to seek the Lord, as, as, as he opened himself up to the Lord, God enlarged his vision and showed him that, hey, I have a greater vision, a greater uh, work that I want you to do. Obviously, not to neglect our families. We need to focus on that. But the Lord just began to show him. And he was able to actually tweak things at work to where he has more time, both with his family and freed up to do this. Hey, this is really awesome. One more thing about Abraham. It was after Abraham... Abram changed his perspective that God changed his name to Abraham. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all got that. It was after his perspective changed that his name changed. God changed his name, father of nations, father of many, after he had that, he saw God's vision. And a couple chapters later is when he said, no longer will you be Abram, but you will be called Abraham. What's the application here? When you change your perspective, the Lord begins to change you. So I just want to encourage you and challenge you this morning. If you've been discouraged, if you've been looking at just what's going on in the natural, ask God to show you his perspective on the situation, on the vision, on your purpose, on your calling, what it is. Like this young man that couldn't see past what he was already doing, the Lord opened up and enlarged his perspective 
get God's vision. Jesus said, you're looking at it only through natural view, human view, not through God's. Come on, let's pray and ask the Lord to help us to see our destiny and our life through God's perspective. Amen? Number two, continue to pray and obey during the delay. I didn't mean to have to sound like a nursery rhyme, but it just kind of flowed, all right? Continue to pray and obey during the delay. So let's go back to Habakkuk 2, 2 and 3. It says, the Lord answered me, write down the vision, clearly inscribe it on tablets so one may easily read it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It testifies about the end. It will not lie. Look at this. Though it delays, wait for it, since it will certainly come and not be late. Though it delays, what that tells us is that sometimes it takes a while for a God-given vision to be fulfilled. Oftentimes it's delayed, right? In Abraham's situation, it took generations. And we're going to see, we're going to look at all three generations. We're already about to hit the second one here. Oftentimes a God-given vision delays. One, he says to wait for it. We must be patient. And I know in our society, it is hard to be patient. I mean, I think about the day and age, we didn't even, even me, I remember in high school, the internet was just becoming big. Now, if your Wi-Fi doesn't, if your, the website doesn't load right away, you're like, man, this Wi-Fi is so slow. Come on, be honest. You do that too, right? I mean, our, our technology in our society has caused us like, we don't even want to wait five seconds for the, for the website to load. Isn't that right? Pastor Todd's laughing. That's right. Right? It's like, and so our society has, it's really, you know, challenged us about being patient and waiting, but we need to wait upon the Lord. Listen, when Abraham was very old, he sent his servant to find a wife for his son Isaac. The Lord led Abraham's servant to Rebekah, then Isaac and Rebekah got married. Look at Genesis 25, 19 to 20. It says, this is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah. Now go down to verse 21. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answers, answered Isaac's prayer and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. Amen? I must have prayed a prayer kind of like Isaac and I didn't realize it or something. So Rebekah was barren for 20 years. And we know this because in verse 26 it says Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. You see that? So Isaac gets married at 40. And for 20 years, his wife has no children. Now, remember, Isaac understands the promise that came down through his dad. And God had appeared to Isaac as well and told him the same thing. So he's like, he pleaded with the Lord. You know, this had to test Isaac's faith. How could they be childless when God promised that nations would come out of them? Just like Abraham. You notice there was delay on both of these brothers' parts. You know, Abraham was really old and, you know, he was 100 years old. His wife was nine. I mean, you know, I didn't get into all that. They were old now, 20 years, no children. How could this be? I love how it says in verse 21 that Isaac pleaded with the Lord. He didn't just throw up little token prayers to the Lord, right? He didn't just kind of in passing say, Lord, would you bless my wife? No, he pleaded with the Lord in prayer. Listen, when you, when your God-given vision is being delayed, you have to bathe it in prayer. You have to be patient. One of the best ways to help you to be patient is whenever you bathe it in prayer. Is when, when, not, not to give up on it, but to give it up to the Lord in prayer. We need to continue. Maybe sitting in here today, you know what your purpose is. You know what your calling is. God has given you a vision, and maybe like them, it's taken 20 years, and you're like, Brandon, I still don't see it happening. 
I still don't see how it's going to happen. I encourage you to go to the Lord in prayer. Listen, we still have one week left of our time of prayer and fasting. One more week. I want to encourage you. If you've been discouraged by delayed vision, by delayed promises in your life, it's not too late. If you, if you haven't been praying and fasting with us, listen, jump in for the last week. It's not too fast. You can join us today. We're going to have prayer meetings all through the week, and then we're going to end it with the Freedom Weekend. I want to encourage you. This is a great time to stir up your faith. This is a great time to, to, to grab hold of the promise and the purpose that God has for you. When the vision delays, continue to pray. Now, let's look at the second part of this point. Genesis 26 now, verses 1 through 6. It says, a severe famine now struck the land as it happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar where uh, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give you all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars to the sky, and I'll give them all these lands. And though your descendants, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, and decrees and instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. The Lord assured Isaac that the covenant promise would pass to him because Abraham faithfully listened to God and obeyed him, but it could have been delayed if Isaac didn't follow the Lord's instructions. You see that? God said, listen, I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do because guess what? Your father obeyed me. And again, even when it delayed, he obeyed me. Now, Abraham had his stumbles, which we all do, but he obeyed me. But now he's challenging his son Isaac, the second generation. Now, there's a famine, and obviously Isaac had a plan to go down to Egypt, and the Lord said, no, don't go to Egypt. Do what I tell you to do. We don't know how much longer it would have taken for the promise to be fulfilled if Isaac didn't obey and he did go down to Egypt. God said it still would be fulfilled. Remember, we're talking about the delay. Though it delays, how much longer would it have delayed? Nobody knows. See, sometimes we don't know why the vision is being delayed, but sometimes it's being delayed because of our lack of obedience to the Lord. So some of you, you may be in a delay right now, but it may be because of your own disobedience. There may be things that the Lord has been showing you for years, where to go, what to do. And you said, Lord, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, Lord, I want your blessing. I want your promises, but I'm not doing that. It don't work that way, right? Is your lack of obedience delaying it? Listen, delaying your God-given vision. You know, I, I encourage you to, to really seek the Lord in that ma matter. And some of you, and I, I, the reason I know this is because I've sat in those pews many, many years. And I know a lot of times when Pastor Todd or another man of God or woman is speaking, as soon as I hear a word, I know it's for me. And the Lord shows me exactly what it is. So I believe there's some sitting in this room right now, right when I said that, your destiny, your purpose, your vision may be being delayed because of obedience. Continue to pray and obey during the time of delays. You know, there, there, there's, a, there's a pastor, uh, he's, a, he's retired now, but there's a pastor that, um, uh, Dr. David Cho, who had a vision to start a church in Seoul, South Korea. He grew, it grew to be the largest church in the world, one time over one million members. 
and Seoul, South Korea. And he was asked repeatedly, how did it happen? How did he grow such a large church like that? How, what did he do? And, and, and you could tell men of God all over the world were waiting for strategy, waiting. You know what he said? He said, I pray and I obey. That was his answer. That's how the largest world church in the world grew. He said, I pray and I obey. How powerful is those two simple things we talk about very often in church, but we may be missing it on one or two or both of them. I want to encourage you. Listen, let me just share a little bit about as I was, I was studying one more illustration just to, to, to conclude this point. Personally, in my life, as, as again, just the timing of Pastor Todd making the announcement, I think back about how this all started for me. And, and when I got saved, you know, and I felt the Lord calling me. I was talking to Pastor Ty and Ty the other day. I can remember sitting in the back over there one service after I gave my life to the Lord. Pastor Ty was up here preaching. I remember the color suit he was wearing at the time. And, uh, and I can remember just a thought went through my mind. Man, I think I could do that one day. I think I would like to do that. And that was it. That thought just passed through my mind, and I went on about my day. I don't think I thought about it again, finished service, went eat lunch, and went on about, you know. But a few months later, I, I strongly knew and felt that the Lord had called me was calling me to full-time ministry. At the time, I was already serving in the youth ministry uh, under the youth pastor. And so as I began to share the vision God had given me that I really felt like he was calling me to full-time ministry, the youth pastor at the time was the interim youth pastor. And so when I shared it with him, he's like, kind of like, all right, cool, man, good. Because you know what? I told him I was committed to three months. So you know what? After three months, if you feel like you're ready, go tell Pastor Todd you're ready. I'm like, dude, ain't no way. I ain't about to go knock up, you know, knock on Pastor Todd's door and say, hey, I'm ready. It's me. I want to be the youth pastor. I said, that's not going to happen. He's like, well, man. So around that time, though, I was just getting discouraged with my work and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm ready. You know, I, I think I'm ready to be done with, with working this and just go work, which I was nowhere near ready, by the way. Side note. But that the interim youth pastor and the staff, they all went to a conference um, uh, in another country. It was amazing outpouring of, of God's spirit. And, and the youth pastor caught fire. And he came back, and his three months turned into two years. And so as that two years kept going, I was like, I thought that I was, you know, because I was working in youth ministry, that I really felt like I was going to be the next youth pastor because, one, I knew God called me to ministry, and, two, he was encouraging me, like, after three months, you're going to be the man kind of thing. But then when he came back and he caught fire, and it, you know, months, a year went by, a year and a half, and then we're at the two-year mark. I remember thinking, like, man, I know God's called me to ministry. I thought it was going to be the youth pastor, but then I started thinking, you know what, it— Maybe it's not, you know, maybe it, maybe it's to be a missionary or maybe it's to be something else. And right around that same time, uh, the, the, the company I was working for, the owner approached me and, and asked me if I wanted to be partners with him, to come into partnership with him. And eventually I could buy him out because he wanted to move. He was getting married. He wanted to move to his hometown where he was from. So now I'm like, man, I have an opportunity to be, you know, a partner in a, a successful business and possibly even a business owner. And there was no, I had no idea of when a ministry opportunity would open up. But every time I would pray about it, I never got a release to go that route. I can even remember my mom when I told my mom about it. I said, man, if I do this and go into partnership with Troy, man, I know, you know, I probably wouldn't have as much time to do ministry. And my mom was like, oh, no. You know, like, if y'all know my mom, she was like, she wasn't having that at all, you know. But that was part of it. And don't you know, right around that same time, I had really just gave it to the Lord and didn't see what opportunity we come from, but I continued to pray. And right around the same time that my boss, which is one of my good friends, offered me this, this, this opportunity in business, Pastor Todd and Tanya called me over, me and Cassie over to the house one night 
and offered me the youth pastor position. I'm so thankful that during, in those two years, that doesn't seem long to some people. When you look at Abraham and them 20, 60 years, doesn't seem like a long time, but it felt like a long time to me. I just want to encourage you. For me, I'm so thankful that I prayed and I listened to the Lord. And when he said, don't do that, keep doing this, I obeyed him. Amen? So I want to encourage you too. Maybe it's been longer than you're like, brother, two years, that ain't nothing. Maybe you had the 15-year the, the mark, the 20-year mark. Whatever your vision is, whatever it may be. You know, it may be for a spouse. You might want to get married and you've been waiting. Listen, I, I, the Lord gives those that delight themselves in them the desires of their heart. Pray and obey when your vision is in delay. Amen? All right, so let's look. The third thing is you must enlarge your vision of who you are. You must enlarge your vision of who you are. What do I mean by this? Simply put, you must see yourself as God sees you. You must see yourself as God sees you. Let's look at Jacob now. We looked at Abraham and Isaac. Now let's look at Jacob. Genesis 25, 24 through 26. And when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she had indeed have, that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau. The other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so they named him Jacob. As some of you know, the name Jacob sounds like the Hebrew word for heel or deceiver. This name, and which was interesting, I just found out as I was studying for this message, this name was actually originally, the original meaning was positive. It meant protect, like, like protect from a rear guard, but it took on a negative meaning of heel grabber or deceiver in the context of Jacob's Deceptive, grasping, usurping character. See, his parents named him Deceiver, and he lived up to that. Because of the act that happened right at birth, they named him that in a negative context. They spoke that over him and continued to, and he continued to live up to the name Deceiver. See, Jacob manipulated his brother out of his firstborn rights and deceived his dad Isaac into giving him the blessing of the firstborn that belonged to Esau. It's summed up here in Genesis 27, 36, where Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice, for he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessings. And I encourage you to read through Genesis and get all the details of this story. Very, very powerful story. So he was named deceiver. He did deceive his brother. He deceived his dad. But then Jacob had an encounter with God. Look at Genesis 32, 24 and 30. It says this. Then this left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. And Scripture tells us this was an angel of the Lord. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him, for now you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Penal, which means face of God, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. See, before Jacob returned to the land God had promised him, God met him, crippled him, blessed him, by changing his name to Israel. See, this is a significant episode in the life of Jacob. Before God could bless him, Jacob had to acknowledge who he was first 
Then God changed his identity. He had to acknowledge, I'm a deceiver. My name's Jacob. I'm a deceiver. And he had. He had, he had done that. He, had, he deceived him. By the way, if you keep reading, you reap what you sow because then later on his father-in-law tricked him a couple of times. That's, a whole, that's, a, that's just a little side note right there. I'd encourage you to read through the, the, the story. You do. You always reap what you sow. It's a kingdom principle. But he said, I'm a deceiver. My name's Jacob. He had to acknowledge, and this is what you got to understand. When God changes somebody's name, he changes their identity. In Genesis 35, God confirmed Jacob's new name, Israel, and renewed his promises of land and descendants. Genesis 35, 9 and 10. And now Jacob had returned from uh, Padan Aram. God uh, appeared to him again at Bethel. God blessed him, saying, your name is Jacob, but you will not be called Jacob any longer. For now on, your name will be Israel. So God renamed him Israel. See, the word Israel means God fights. And, and a lot of you may know this, but, but this is very powerful. See, at first, God fought with Jacob. But what he was saying, when he renamed him Israel, at first God fought with Jacob, but now God would fight for Jacob. That was the implication of him changing his name. He said, you remember he said, I, I, I fought with God in one? Well, he wrestled with God. That's actually symbolic of prayer. Going back to Isaac pleading with the Lord, that, that's what symbolism of that is, is he was wrestling with the Lord. Wrestling, he'd been through all this stuff. He had been through, you know, uh, uh, hardships in life. He had been waiting. He had, he had been a deceiver. You know, um, his mom favored him, but his dad favored his twin brother. He had been through a lot. So now he's, he's entering to his new land and, and he's about to face his brother again and, and, and whatnot. And he wrestled with God in prayer. And he admitted, I've been a deceiver. But God said, listen, You've wrestled with me in prayer. You fought with me, so to speak. Now I'm going to fight with you. And God's saying the same thing to you. He wants to fight for you. Hey, this is how we fight our battles through worship. We got to remember God fights for us. That's what Israel means. God fights, but he fights for us. See, his name change was, was full of promise for, both for Jacob and his descendants. See, it was nothing. It was, again, it was, it was him reiterating the vision and his perspective. Your, your name is Israel now. P see, people may have placed many negative and hurtful labels on you in the course of your life. You may still be seeing yourself that way. It may not be your physical name, but maybe it's other names people have called you. And Pastor Todd hit on this, uh, I believe, last week as well. Maybe it's, it's labels, it's names people call you that you've worn your whole life. Maybe it was something that Pastor Todd said, it was in elementary school, right? A teacher spoke something over him, and he remembers that to this day. Not only do we remember it, but listen, y'all, we begin to live those things out. The Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And when somebody speaks names over you, subconsciously, spiritually, something happens. I can't tell you how it all works, but you begin to live that out. So again, parents, side note, be careful what you speak over your children. Be careful. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. But thank God he has the power to redeem. Amen? He has the power to redeem any, any given name or name spoken over us. Listen, you'll never be able to enlarge your God-given vision unless you see yourself as God sees you. It's not, I'm sorry to tell you, it's not going to happen. Just like you can't accomplish your God-given vision with a human point of view, again, it's, it's, now it's the point of view of you. <laughs> it's how you see yourself. you got to see yourself the way God sees you. Jacob admitted and saw himself as a deceiver. God said, you know what, I'm going to change your name to Israel. God fights. I'm going to fight for you. When you understand how God sees you, you get a new identity. And listen, y'all, there's an identity crisis in this country. 
There's an identity of crisis in society. There's even an identity crisis in the church. We identify ourselves with things that we shouldn't. Our main identity is that we're sons and daughters of the most high God. That's what our identity comes from. Amen? Yes, amen. Not what we do, not what we wear, not how much money we have, not any of that stuff. But who we are. We're sons and daughters of the most high God. Man, we've been, we've been bought with a high price, the precious blood of the Lamb of God. And our identity should be in him alone. And I get it, though. If, you, if you've had people speak things over you, it's hard to get the identity. But listen, God is the God of redemption. You must allow the Lord to reprogram your mind away from the negative and hurtful thoughts and words that were spoken over you. This is why. Whatever you keep before your eyes will affect you. Whatever you put before your eyes will affect you. You will produce what you're continually seeing in your mind. Again, when people spoke over you, how you see yourself is how you're going to act and what you're going to produce in life. So in order to to enlarge your God-given vision, you got to see yourself how God does. If you see yourself as a failure or defeated, you're going to live that kind of life. If you see yourself as, I'll never be able to do this, guess what? That's right. You never will. Listen, y'all, next weekend for Freedom Weekend, this is a time that, that will, I believe God will meet you here for that. If you're listening to me this morning, you say, man, I feel that way. I feel like I've been held back. People have spoken things over me. People have, have I, I just feel like something's holding me back. I, I feel like I, I got God's vision or what I want to do or the desire, but I can't. Listen, come out next weekend to Freedom Weekend. Listen, it's Friday night and Saturday. It's only 15 bucks. If you cannot afford it, come talk to me. I'll personally pay your way there if you can't go. That's how strongly I feel about it because I believe God will meet you here. We've been praying and fasting. By that time, it'll be almost three weeks. We've been praying and fasting and preparing for God to encounter you. God wants to change your name. God wants to change your identity. God wants you to set you free. We want you to come to know God, get set free, and then live free. And then find your purpose, your God-given vision, so you can make a difference. Amen? This is powerful, too. Jacob understood this. Once God changed his name and he saw the effect of, of, of the words and the label that was put over him, Jacob understood this, and he even applied it to, to his last child. Genesis 35, 16, 18. Leaving Bethel, Jacob and his clan moved on towards Ephrath. Then Rachel went into labor while they were still some distance away. Her labor pains were intense. After a very hard delivery, the midwife finally exclaimed, don't be afraid, you have another son. Rachel was about to die, but her last breath, she named the baby Benano, which means, or I, son of my sorrow. Look at this. The baby's father, however, called Benjamin, called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. He's like, uh-uh, I'm not speaking that over my son the rest of his life. Isn't that powerful? Jacob understood this principle, and he said, no, no, no. I don't want my son to have to work through somebody calling him son of my sorrow and him feeling like maybe his mom's death was his own fault. He's going to be son of my right hand. He understood this principle and said, you know, I'm going to speak life, blessing, and power over my son. You must get a new vision of yourself. Even Jesus said in Matthew 9, 17, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. In other words, New visions won't work in old mindsets. You gotta have a, a new mindset. You gotta have a new identity in order for God give, your God given vision to work. So, again, 
I got a little clip I want to show you. And before we watch it, think about now everything Jacob has been through. God has changed Jacob's identity and who he is. So now he has a vision. He's locked on to a vision. And um, I'm going to tell you more about this. This is a, a clip from a, uh, um, an episode called The Chosen. Anybody have heard about The Chosen yet? This, this, episode, this um, series that's been created by Dallas Jenkins. He's the son of one of the authors of the Left Behind series. They've done a phenomenal job. But I think this little clip is a great way to drive this last point home. Listen, this man tried to discourage Jacob, but he was locked into the promise God had given him, right? After everything he'd been through, nobody was going to be able to get him off of the vision God had for him, right? And listen, it's the same with us. Everything we're talking about, in order to enlarge your vision, you can't let other people deter you from your vision either. Amen? Even when it looks impossible. I love it, though, because he said, you know, that's a strange choice. But he said, you know, we didn't choose him. He chose us. You got to know that God chose you. Your God-given vision is specific for you. He chose you to carry out this vision, this promise. Amen? It didn't matter what anybody said or the circumstances. Jacob had an enlarged vision of the promises God gave him, and so do we. So in closing, one of the things that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had in common was that God himself appeared and spoke to all three of these men. Amen. You go through, you can see all of all the way through Genesis. God appeared to them all. He spoke to them all. He continued to con confirm. I mean, and obviously he knocked Jacob's hip out of socket, you know, a little bit more. These three men saw God before they saw their vision come to pass. They saw God first for who he was before they saw their vision come to pass. I want to wrap it up with, one, with a story that I read. There was a pro golfer, and he got invited, an American pro golfer, he got invited to go play golf with the king of Saudi Arabia. So the king of Saudi Arabia flies him out over there in his private jet, and they play two or three days of golf. Before he gets back on the plane to come back home, the king of Saudi Arabia says, I want to thank you for coming. I want to give you a gift. And he said, oh, man, don't worry about it. You already flew me out here. I enjoyed your country. I mean, this is the king of Saudi Arabia, all your rich countries. Like, man, you've already shown me great things and, and blessed me. Don't, don't worry about it, you know. Uh, he said, no, I want to give you something. The king was adamant. So the golfer said, okay, I, co I collect golf clubs. Why don't you send me a golf club? And he said, okay, sounds good. Guy gets back on the plane. He's coming back home. He's starting to think, man, what, what kind of golf club I wonder the king's going to send me? Would it be a, a solid gold putter? Maybe it'll be a sand wedge that's, you know, studded with diamonds and fancy jewels. He's just beginning to think about this. So he gets home. A week passed, two weeks passed, three weeks passed, and he's wondering where his golf club's at. Now he's kind of like, kind of looking forward to this golf club, you know. What's going on now? And after about three weeks or so, he gets a letter in the mail from the king of Saudi Arabia. And he's like, man, this is not big enough to have my golf club in it. As he opens up the envelope, what it was was a deed to a 500-acre golf course in America. How many of y'all know that kings sometimes think differently than you and I? My point is, church, we serve the king of kings. We serve the king of kings. And his vision for you and me is bigger and better than we could ever, ever imagine. Amen? Why don't you bow your head with me? And let's ask the Lord, Lord, help us to enlarge our vision. Lord, help us to see, Lord God, 
with your eyes, the perspective. We was here in prayer last night, and I was praying that, that, that the Lord would help us to see things through his eyes. Maybe you've been struggling because you're just looking in the natural. I want you to pray right now and ask the Lord, Lord, help me to see, Lord God, beyond what I can see in my natural circumstance. Help me to see things with your perspective, Lord. And now, if things have been delayed, if you know what your vision is, you have it inside of you, I want to encourage you to continue to pray. Start right now. Come on, if you hadn't been fasting with us or joined us, jump into the last week of prayer and fasting and bathe that thing in prayer. But the second part is, have you been obedient? Maybe your vision's been delayed because of a, a lack of obedience. If that's true, if the Lord's already speaking to you about it, or he's speaking to you now, I want you to just repent right now. Start afresh today. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for disobedience. I'm sorry for not doing what you told me to do or doing what you've told me not to do. Just ask him to forgive you right now and move on afresh. That may speed up the vision coming to pass in your life. And then you need to see yourself as God sees you. You got to have, have, the, have the, 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 the understanding the way the Lord sees you. He changed uh, Abraham's name. He changed Jacob's name. He changed their identity. God wants to give you a new identity today. You are not the things, the negative things that people have spoken over you. If you've heard anything today, I want you to know you are not the things, the negative and hurtful words that people have spoken over you all your life. You, and, you are a son and daughter of the Most High God. You are loved by him. He forgives you. He loves you. He's faithful. He said if we confess our sins, to cleanse us of our sins, to forgive us and cleanse us. I want to encourage you to seek the Lord. Come out next week. And if you haven't registered yet and you're dealing with an identity crisis and you're hurting and you, you, you can't see yourself that way, I encourage you. God wants to give you a breakthrough today, but I want you to, to be a part of Freedom Weekend next weekend. And then, like I said, all three of these men, they had an encounter with God. God appeared to him and spoke to him. They saw God personally before they saw the vision. I want to read again. With your head bowed and eyes closed, you don't even have to look up. Just listen to the scripture again. Galatians 3, 8, 9. What's more, the scriptures look forward to the time when God would make the Gentiles right in the sight, his sight because of faith. That word right means being justified, being right with the Lord. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago, and he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ shall share the blessing Abraham received because of his faith. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you know deep down in your heart, if you're not right with God, it started with Abraham. The promise and the blessing, the vision he had came all the way to Christ in the finished work on the cross. The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard, but Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of our sins, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So listen, if you say, man, Brandon, I don't know if I'm right with God today. The Bible makes it clear. You can put your faith in Christ and you will be made whole. You will be made right. If you say, Brandon, I'm not sure if I'm right with the Lord, but I want to be. Just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. I see your hand, ma'am. Anybody else? Hands over here going up. I see your hand over here. Thank you, Jesus. Hands in the back. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? I see hands going up. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, the Bible makes it clear. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. The Bible also says to repent of your sins. That means to turn away and turn to God. So those of you with your hands lifted, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying me. Come on, pray it out loud like you mean it. Now, Lord, I know that I've sinned, and I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. 
I make you my Lord and Savior. Now give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. Show me, Lord God, the vision you have for my life. Lord, I want to know you. I want to live free. Lord, show me my purpose. Lord, I want to make a difference. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's rejoice with these. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or just recently, you've resurrendered. There's a card in the pew in front of you that says, I, I made a decision. Fill that card out. Bring it to the info center in the lobby on your way out. Why don't you stand up and let me pray a blessing over you as you go. Father, I just pray that you would enlarge each and every one of our vision, Lord. The God-given vision you've given us. Enlarge it in us. And Lord, help us as we move forward to live, Lord God, and glorify you in that way. Bless these as they go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. If you need specific prayer for anything, we'll be up here to pray with you. Have a great day.